0: Happy Friday, and thanks for spending the week with us here on the Andromeda Minute, a show where we go over one minute of, every three days we go, or every two days, we go over one minute of probably one of the strangely timely movies uh, that Robert Wise ever made, the 1971 Robert Wise-directed feature, The Andromeda Strain. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane, of TVDads.com, The Rocketeer Minute, The Airport Minute,
1: and The Apollo 13 Minute. And I am the UK's Ethan McKinley from Two Minute Terminator... Uh, another minute show from way back in the not so distant past <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, and a great one it is too please if you if you get a chance check it out uh, just look for 2 minute terminator on youtube because it, it is a fantastic show and thank you ethan for for being back on here and spending the week uh, Jim, uh, talking it's a about pleasure great you movie. can
1: infect me with andromeda strain anytime you like <laughs>
0: <laughs> well having a being on a
1: viral show like this it, it always helps um, damn you got one <laughs> These, pu- these jokes write themselves, Jim. Let's just leave they, the room.
0: <laughs> they do. It's, they do. It's a little bit too uh, too on the on the nose, but uh, but we're watching uh, the excitement of uh, a woman packing for her husband while he uh, sucks on a cup of tea that his daughter just brought him.
1: Oh, the good old days. <laughs> yeah.
0: uh, but what a tiny cup! That is. That, that, I know that those a cups, time capsule. He, yeah. Yeah, he's drinking out of you know fine Noritake china. But uh, that's not, just not enough nowadays. You have to have at least a 16 out there. I mean, she should have brought him a, a mug, a giant, uh, uh, you know, cell Well, if, if it was English, his little finger
1: would be up as he sipped his tea. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. With a, a rover biscuit parked on the side, just ready ready to roll. Um, well, speaking yeah, I, I, of,
1: uh, I was going to say, uh, the the women in these very traditional roles, when we, all, well, this very minute, we cut to a scene where there's a very, you know, or not ball-breaking, but kind of very self-assured, witty, clever, uh, you know, smack-talking uh, woman, which is... Yeah, yeah, and
0: she's very much not of her time, or she was of her time. She just never got on, on screen, and uh, I think probably uh, our best organizing sensibility in this entire film, Dr. Ruth Levitt, played by uh, the fabulous uh, stage actress uh, Kate Kate Reed, and she just does such a smashing, bang-up job, and we're introduced to her... <laughs> <laughs> the, the very first word she said is "Nope, not not gonna do it." And she, <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of sets the tone for her whole She's her whole wonderful character.
1: Not only men but authority as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know. And if you think about it, she if if they were going to be filming this nowadays, she would probably be played by uh, Scarlett Johansson, and she'd be wearing you know like a
1: she'd be super hot with a you know a, yeah leather zip up suit a, a and uh, she'd yeah, be do- pop up bra yeah. and things yeah
0: yeah she'd be doing the somersaults down the you know aisle and uh she'd kick the guy for asking her <laughs> um but she, you know how how she's not she's not pretty enough to be and it, it's really tragic but she really she's not pretty enough to be in a movie now no um,
1: i think I, my kathy bates was the last one of that era wasn't it where it was a kind of like a very brilliant brilliant actress that was kind of obviously not uh you know a looker as one would, would say yeah
0: yeah they don't they don't re- i mean margot martindale gets second second billing kind of stuff but mm. nobody that's a star or a main you know a feature player she's just but because like, of she's that the...
1: it's it's believable because i mean yeah not to besmirch any attractive scientists out there by god no but uh i very much would imagine they look more like kate reed than a potential scarlett johansson casting no
0: yeah no she she doesn't seem like she's going to be spending too much time at the clinic counter she's going to be she's got to go to work she's studied hard she and at the time that she's in this she you know everybody else was a typist or uh you know some kind of secretary doing Mm. clerical work uh or like the uh the woman that she's working with there here you go go count up all these uh well all the other female roles
1: in this really isn't it she's the
0: uh yeah yeah. she's the only non-assistant i mean the, the one there you know has to go out clean out petri dishes and things and we're going to come across uh, uh, Nurse Karen Anson later on in uh, at Wildfire, but she's just second banana to uh, mm. Dr. James Olson. Um, and, Again, uh, though, that
1: being said, it's like not like a, a white person; it's an Asian lady. So, that, perhaps yeah, that's another yeah. kind of uh, breakout. I mean, what was Robert? Wise quite progressive? Whose idea was it to cast Kate Reid as this role? Because it was a male role, I think you mentioned in the last episode yeah. in the book, right? Yeah, yeah. I've I've been trying to find out how that was i think they just they
0: cast her and then uh they they went with it because none if you if you read this the script there's no real description of who dr levitt is
1: yeah uh, a bit like the characters in the alien screenplay i think dana bannon said it all of any of these characters can be interchangeable yeah and that's how we got ripley being a lady as opposed to being a man
0: yeah exactly and she you know of all the other ones are just like saluting smartly and saying yes sir gotta go and she's like <laughs> yeah. nope i'm i'm a little busy and uh
1: <laughs> she's like so dismissive of these two uh <laughs> generals it's it's great yeah yeah and
0: uh it, the men seem rather put out the one fellow in the big hat in the back has got her got his hands on his belt and is just <laughs> well what do we do now boss and and the you know the officer there who's sporting really a boss uh, soup strainer mustache that i, I that's chris hadfield quality mustache there is this is this
1: um, well, this is the era of your formative years is this where the the big tash uh, came from y- yeah you had to is go with the, the you know the
0: mccartney sar- <laughs> charging pepper kind of look and you were going to be able to you know that, an n95 filter had nothing on those things they were just you know you could you could strain anything through it um but he's uh, and and back in the day when you know uh, officers could sport facial hair. I think that's kind of frowned upon nowadays. So mm.
1: uh,
0: it's uh, it's it's interesting seeing that. Um, yeah, even
1: the hairstyles are slightly long as well. I mean, what, well, this is a movie, of course. They're trying to be as accurate as possible. In yeah. real life military, would they have kind of looked like that as well? Was it just a thing of the time and was a bit more, hey, man, counterculture, in it just slightly bled into the look of even, I guess, uh, you know, the authoritarian side of things, the government, they'd have a bit more of a, bit of a tash going on a bit of a pork chop sideburn even if you were like an army officer or a commander
0: you know i don't i don't know what the uh what the face uh what the facial characteristics were for for the military but if if you wouldn't mind vamping on this i'm gonna
1: go look on uh,
0: <laughs> i'm gonna go look online about the uh, requirements for uh, facial hair in the uh, in the military sure um
1: well as well i'll fill some dead air the, the kid that walks in uh he's got very kind of like a idealistic 50s dialogue here a lot better, ladies and gentlemen, than the kid that's in Revenge of the Sith that says, Master Skywalker, what are we going to do? And then the uh, he ignites his lightsaber in the Jedi Temple. Probably the worst <laughs> acting of a child ever. And if it's he just must. your day, kid. I, I still think to this day he was probably one of the producer's kids or someone on set's kid that was just there that went, do this line. Atrocious, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, <laughs> I just I have, I have no idea. I was going to say as well, when I was watching the, uh, the making of earlier, they peppered a lot of music throughout the making of from uh, the thing by Ennio Morricone, from uh, that soundtrack <laughs> bizarrely okay uh, bestiality and solitude to the main tracks they use. I was like, why are they using the thing music in this but I guess it's a universal production, and also I guess it's a bit virusy and a bit end of the worldy so I just thought it was an yeah. interesting uh, anomalous thing in the making of that the music that actually used
0: it, it is a cre- and it's you know that that early electronic music um which now, of course, you see, I I really I should look these things up when I uh, when
1: I, when I'm thinking about it before the show. You know, show prep is, is key. That being said, um, though, what you don't know could fill a warehouse. You you fill the air with enough uh, genius movie knowledge anyway. Uh, uh, the composer, uh, yeah. what was his name? Yeah. Gill Gil,
0: oh, uh, Melier. That's M- it. Who
1: yeah. was he? Neil,
0: Yes. Uh, we already covered that back in the. Uh,
1: Oh, here we are. Um, he was a, a recording yeah. artist, songwriter, and jazz musician and composer. Gil Mele launched his career in the sixties. First displayed his talent with uh, for for oh for artwork. He uh, was also a regular jazz performer. Okay, but yeah, it's kind of a, the the. It's very kind of. A, it's not a classic score, is it? It's it's electronic. It's weird. It's uh, yeah.
0: It's you know. It's very um, Forbidden Planet esque. Yes. Also based on. If if you've ever heard the uh, French song um, called Psyche Rock that was done by Pierre Henry, okay, uh, and people nowadays would know it for, for its cover version, which is used as the theme to Futurama.
1: Ah, so okay. Yeah. I've just I've just so got yeah. it up on my uh, thing. I'll I'll listen to it after the show. Oh, so uh, the... yes, quite
0: quite a familiar quite a familiar tune. Oh, and I do have an answer on facial hair. Uh, oh, facial hair, uh, mustaches have generally been allowed in both military and police forces except for those undergoing basic training so long as they are well groomed U.S. Army regulations, for example, require that most mustaches be, quote, neatly trimmed, tapered, and tidy, and that, quote, no portion of the mustache will cover the upper lip line, extend sideways beyond a vertical line drawn upward from the corners of the mouth. So you can have extend... a biker
1: mustache, basically, that, like, comes down like a...
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, you know, spinal tap, very um, yeah. <laughs> sheer kind of... Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Or extend beyond a parallel line at the lower portion of the nose, so you can't go for those uh, General Ambrose uh, Burnside no. sideburn things either. Okay. And so uh, no beards though. Mustache uh, is the only the, allowed. In 2010, the U.S. Army granted waivers for a number of uh, Sikh soldiers and a Muslim soldier, okay. permitting them to have beards, but generally not. So okay. Gen- generally, it's a no-no. Um, and uh, the the Coast Guard, you're allowed to have a beard. Um, as to the UK, the Royal Navy has always allowed beards and ha- at least since 1870 has permitted its members to wear only a full set. In other words, you have to have a beard and a mustache. You can't go with one or the other. Right. Oh. And they may not be worn one without the other and the beard must be full. In other words, it has to cover the whole jawline. You can't go. No Van no van Dykes or things of, of the ma- of No <laughs> oh, goatees. The, yeah, no goatees. They even made no, uh, Kate Reed patches. shave her mustache. I'm just yes. kidding. Come on. <laughs> ah uh, wow so uh yeah so when you're out there with the uh you know <laughs> deployed to the pun job you can uh, bring in your old santa claus look um i can, my my beard when i when i let it grow in people start throwing money out windows at me so just, <laughs> i've given up it's i i could say that after about a a month of growing it i looked uh vaguely emmett kelly like i would say would be the closest thing yeah. uh, i do look like the the robert jackson fellow that that's in the uh, andromeda straight <laughs> just kind of look, look that way just kind of like scruffy and people people naturally avoid me so this could be a good thing in the in the age of our virus uh, Just throw that out
1: i was gonna say when these um, uh, military men go to see uh kate Reed uh on the memo or the telex it's uh the jet Propulsion lab they're going to yeah is that where she is now
0: uh don't know. She d- it doesn't look like uh, JPL to me. I don't think JPL has a big biological place. I think she's at her own. I I, I think uh, that she's at her own lab somewhere in like uh, you know non non aerospace related.
1: Isn't uh, um, but I was going to say isn't JPL connected to Alistair Crowley somehow or Ron L Ron Hubbard and Scientology? Didn't they have I some kind it. of like secret? Uh, group that howard hughes i think was in along with jack parsons and they'd perform like uh ritualistic magic magic this is me <laughs> it's a i don't know and i just th- I... yeah i think uh, l ron Hubbard wanted to join their gang i think crowley was involved in it as well and they would like rejected him and wow. he went screw you guys i want to start my own religion and i think that's how scientology was born i've heard it could be uh, uh you know, I, w- I would watch that movie it could be dust. Um, who knows but uh yeah.
0: um, <laughs> wow no i, I thought I, you I, might know I, being I,
1: an aerospace insider
0: as as far as I know there are no occult uh, activities going on at JPL. I've only been there once, so it's just it, <laughs> it, it may have changed since I was last there. Um this I'm, it's always fascinating to me, you know, talking about snapshots of the past. I'm fascinated how she's lighting up in the middle of a, uh, a laboratory. A <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like there has to be chemicals and fumes and she has to be keeping things in a sterile environment if she's dealing with microorganisms, but you know not you know, firing up a
1: camel sure why not um well i think even she does when they, do... they sorry bit, sorry what are you gonna say carry on I,
0: I, said, I said she does she does step away from the uh the little growth chambers that she has there but it's i don't think it's doing any good it'll be fine <laughs> yeah
1: well i just the hygiene wasn't i mean i think around the jack the ripper times i think uh, they just never washed their hands in between surgeries and any kind of medical procedure? Did they, whether no, no, a of I a mean, baby they, or they, doing they... an autopsy on a corpse that'd been dead for three three weeks in the in the Thames? And yeah, yeah. You what... Never,
0: never, uh, never uh, do a Wikipedia on puerperal fever because yeah. uh, it... viral <laughs> science
1: wasn't a thing back then. I think they slowly discovered, like, oh, maybe I should wash my hands before <laughs> <laughs> putting my hand inside a dead body and then delivering this baby. Yes,
0: yeah, the age before purell So, in <laughs> uh, this, you know, this is where we're in the thick. But she does. uh it, it, it's amazing. I I do love her defiance from the beginning, and we'll we'll find out more about her tragic life later on in the movie. But uh, she's of all the people that we've met so far, I think I root for her the most. Mm. And we're only fifteen minutes in. Um, she definitely has more more control over her environment than anybody else. Oh
1: well, for sure. I and she's one of the, the main thing I remember. I you I mean, oh, know what's the uh, James Olsen He's the I guess. The hero, yeah. the star. Yeah. Uh but my, you know, hazy childhood memory always remembered uh her basically. I mean she's the one that gets uh, you know, jumping ahead, but the the, the stark image I remember is here going, Oh my god, did that hurt? When they kind of get sterilized and have uh their skin, at least the top yeah. dermis removed. <laughs> and they become talcum powdered, if you will.
0: Uh, always, yeah, always a a, a great creepy. Mo- There's so many creepy moments in this movie, and it's it's funny how the moments you know of any movie to to, to pick minutes apart this this always said this is the minute where this happens and this is the minute where that happens mm. you don't remember the whole plot of the movie you might not remember what the storyline is or even the character names but you do remember remember when the monkey died or remember when you know you remember when they cut the guy's wrist and the blood came out remember yeah. that
1: i think when you're a child yeah. and you kind of have these very like staccato flash images of like certain things in films that you, you've not seen for ages yeah that was certainly one that kind of uh stuck out at me
0: yeah and, and and this movie does kind of run on rails i mean you're not when you're watching you're watching this film you're like okay what's wh- where are we going to get to the part where something else happens <laughs> it's just you spend fully three quarters of the movie i mean they they set up that uh you know check off shotgun scene with a you know, here's here's the key and you're gonna blow up a You know, you you got to stop it from blowing blowing up a nuclear reaction. So you figure, okay, that's going to happen somewhere in the movie. But that happens in like the last five minutes of the film, and the rest of this movie is you're watching people doing their jobs. They don't, you know, there's nothing surprising about them doing their jobs. It's very, it's a, it's a, uh, it's the laboratory equivalent of a police police procedural. Here, Mm. this is, you know, it's like Law and Order, Andromeda, and there's no, there's no. turnoffs They're, they don't go into the bushes at all it's it's a b c and you're just kind of you know this is the next step and this is the next step and this is the next step and it's fascinating in itself um you, know, you get to see all this at the time it's still to this day very high-tech equipment i mean you're seeing all these perkin elmer um uh, laboratory testing equipment spectral analysis and you're seeing um, millipore filter uh it, all, all this stuff was i mean for uh, product placement—it's kind of weird because these are products that you'd only see in a lab, but you're seeing them shown on screen, kind of like going to a world's fair and it's like, oh, you can do this, and here's you know, here's the kind of equipment that runs. But other than that, you're really not getting any kind of interpersonal. This isn't very much
1: interpersonal relationship stuff. No. You're not seeing. Well, I um, think it's—I uh, wouldn't say Kubrickian, but there's a very sterile, there's a sterile sterility to this film, isn't it? There's not—I uh, think that's why. It's not depressing, yeah, yeah. but there's a kind of there's a there, well, there is there's an alienness to it. There's a very there's a cold quality to it. I think, uh, yeah, especially when they no, get to no, that uh, cylindrical thing. They're going to look at the virus in and stuff later in the film.
0: Yeah, and there's there's no like there's no romance in it. You know, Dutton and Stone are married. Yeah, Levitt apparently isn't married, and we know that uh, uh, Hall's character, James Olsen's character, is uh, isn't married too. He's the key man. Mm. So but there's no you know Dr. Hall isn't going to fall in love with Dr. Levitt they're they're all colleagues and they act as colleagues they act like people that work together and but even though they've never worked together before they all know each other by reputation but uh but not you know this is something where they're 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 jumping in they're at a conference and they have to solve a problem that nobody has any kind of Back and forth well Dutton Dutton and Stone we'll see in a flashback have worked together previously so they kind of know each other but Levitt and Hall they're they're not you know they're definitely outsiders no
1: um, this uh Kate Levitt's uh is it Kate Levitt no that's the actual name Kate Reed, Kate I've, Reed. I've given a character name as the surname uh, do you think this is a real lab or is it a set
0: uh, I think it's a set I, I believe it's a set okay the uh, the lighting coming out of that window and uh it just definitely you know it's not an easy the the way the the lights are are hung from the ceiling yeah i'm pretty sure that's a that's a set and they just rolled it you know (laughs) rolled those pieces in i think we're looking at the cement floor of a stage and uh they just set up an area on stage where this will be this will be your set and probably you know 20 feet to the right is uh, james olsen's operating room and 20 feet to the right of that is uh david wayne's bedroom
1: and we don't see it from the other angle do we so i guess the fourth wall literally is missing so they can just put all the cameras in that end of the room
0: yeah exactly and they just hang hang the lights off the off the catwalks yeah and and, uh you know this is probably knocked out in an
1: afternoon So so Crichton that wrote this book uh he had a background in medicine, right? Was he a doctor? How did he become into he movies? Because I think he, he directed Westworld. So I think for a writer, I think that's quite a powerful position to be in, isn't it? Well, a lot of these future shock films he did. Yeah, he, he seemed studied, to kind of jump into the Hollywood furore or the the, the glitari quite uh, you know to a high level and quite quickly.
0: Yeah, he he studied um, uh, uh, to be a doctor, and he was he was writing this in the middle in the middle of things, so. Uh, uh actually let me i'm I'm going to quote from uh, michael Crichton's own words about this thing Mm. he said uh i thought the andromeda strain was a great this is michael Crichton talking not me i thought the andromeda strain was a great title but for many years i had no book to go to with it i worked on draft after draft never completing one obsessing about the project and all because i was so fond of the title i couldn't abandon it the story itself was originally suggested by a footnote in George Gaylord Simpson's scholarly work, The Major Features of Evolution, Simpson inserted an uncharacteristically lighthearted footnote saying that organisms in the upper atmosphere had never been used in a science, by science fiction writers in it, to make a story, so I set out to do that. Eventually, I finished a whole draft and sent it to my new editor, Bob Gottlieb, at Knopf uh, Publishing. Bob said he would not even consider publishing it unless I was willing to completely rewrite it from beginning to end. I was 25 at the time and Bob was only in his early 30s, but he had a very large reputation as an editor because he had edited uh, Catch-22. So I gulped and I said I would rewrite it according to his directions. Bob said that the novel should read like a New Yorker profile, that it it should be absolutely convincing. I really wasn't sure what that meant. I had read the New Yorker profiles and thought they varied widely, but he started me thinking about what the Andromeda strain would look like if the story were true, Where would I have gotten the information? How would I know? And in what style would I write it if that were true? I began to look at science nonfiction writing by people like uh, Walter Sullivan, who wrote for the New York Times, and I began to uh, imitate that factual nonfiction writing style. and It yielded a very cold, detached book that was also weirdly convincing. After I sent Bob Gottlieb the rewritten manuscript, he called up, and said I had done a very good job and therefore I only had to rewrite half of it all over again. I gulped, and I, said I, w- I gulped and I said I would. And after that, he would just call me every few days, rewriting the beginning of this chapter, redo that description, this character wasn't right, so fix it and add a chapter here and so on and so on. I began to feel very persecuted by these demands, which seemed interminable and increasingly nitpicking. Uh, I didn't know how rare good editing was. When the book was finally published, lots of people thought it was true. It was pretty interesting. When Bob Wise set out to make the movie, his researchers assumed that everything I wrote was true, too. So they went out and found all the things the book talked about, the underground laboratory, the computer programs, the biometric security. After a while, I stopped telling people that I had made it all up because it turned out that it was based on true things. But I didn't know that when I was writing the book. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so, no it's, uh. uh... This is his, well, his first book, obviously. What was his yeah, next yeah. book he, after he, this? He, he,
0: um, I would think Coma. Okay. Oh, yes. No, no, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Before Coma was Terminal Man. He wrote The Terminal Man.
1: Yeah, he kind of, uh, it's just quite shocking though how we were springboarded so quickly into movies. And uh, obviously all these got made. Coma's the Michael Douglas film, I think, from 76 or 77, I think. Yeah. And Genevieve um, Boujol,
0: maybe a little bit later, maybe like in the later later seventies.
1: Yeah, but and obviously Weswell, which he directed, and then um, you know, yeah, I mean, everyone knows he did Jurassic Park and things, and uh, yes, yeah, very interesting, wasn't? There yeah, and this something about a swarm or something uh, of insects, or is that I'm thinking of a book cover, one of his the last swarm? books? No, not the swarm
0: that. was an American International book. Um, I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know all the the Michael Crichton bibliography. The Pantheon. Let's have a look. Yes. Um, but you, you have to remember this was written and one of the, one of the key things, and this was 50 years ago and people don't remember these things, but one of the things that people were concerned about at the time, this was written, this came out about the same time as the first lunar landing. Mm. And so we had the lunar receiving lab. The uh, astronauts all had to go into quarantine. You remember seeing them in the, yeah, you, you saw them all in that, that Airstream trailer when they were on board the uh, USS Hornet. So they, for the first, uh, one, two, three, the first three um well really the first two uh they were quarantined for uh 21 days and right. then after that it, it was it was kind of ridiculous so they stopped doing it because the moon was dead but it was an interesting you know thought and the lunar receiving limb was built to handle you know they had like emergency rooms built into the place it was built just in case they were allergic to something on the moon or, if, or one of the moon bugs had gotten a hold of them so uh this was on everybody's mind at the time and, and it kind of went away
1: there's but... nothing we've actually uh on the moon there's no kind of viral life as far as we know is that correct or anything like that no
0: there's we, we've never found any life outside of earth so it's um just a possibility peculiar.
1: on mars they assume correct which is maybe yeah microscopic. yeah
0: it it's uh it, it's confusing because we get chemical reactions on mars but and it could be explained as being something from organic life but mm. it, it's also just as easy to uh explain them as being uh, chemical reactions between you know complex complex molecules because there is a so,
1: the asteroid belt between Earth and Mars isn't there? was that perhaps a planet billions of years Mar- ago that perhaps Be- between Mars and Jupiter Jupiter sorry yeah, yeah. and that pr- whatever happened to that planet may have laid wasteland to Mars Mars may have been an earth like planet maybe I don't know
0: yeah, it's difficult to say. I mean, the biggest thing that prevents Mars from being a planet like Earth is that it has a lack of a magnetosphere. Mm. And uh, one of, one of the things that provides life on Earth is that we have a magnetosphere that creates our Van Allen belts that that cre- that stops the deadly radiation and uh, uh, solar prominences from attacking Earth and destroying us with gamma rays. Yeah. I mean, otherwise, we'd be it'd be like getting a uh, you know X rays every day. So. Um, yeah, we, we are we are in a rare we are on a rare planet in our solar system. Uh, Pray, ladies and
1: gentlemen, is the book I was thinking of. I'm assuming it's about Prey. insects. Okay. There's a kind of uh, insectoid swarm on the cover of the book. But I mean, look at these books: uh, Timeline, Sphere. Uh, Next, I'm assuming that's the Nicolas Cage movie from 2008. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Airframe. Yes. Rising Sun, the Sean Connery, Wesley Snipes movie. The right. same. Uh, yes. f- yeah. Westworld. Christ, he's done a. Uh, quite prolific. ER, and I mean Twister. You know,
0: yeah, it's wow. amazing, I and mean, he's he's prolific, and all of this stuff is believable, mm. and you find yourself enjoy, enjoying it much in the way you enjoy it. it it's a good. These are all great popcorn movies. You know you don't have to you don't have to think too hard about them. They yeah. pose interesting ideas. Um, Disclosure I like timeline, but there's it, another one. The first great disclo- train yeah.
1: robbery. Oh my god!
0: <laughs> great, yeah, like, quite quite uh, great jobs for uh, for Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody could do Crichton Minute and uh, and have a rather large audience. Oh, I would I would listen go. to that. <laughs> I would love a I would love a great train robbery um uh minute. There's so many great little bits in that. Yeah. Oh, oh good old fashioned uh, Donald Sutherland and uh doing his like uh Kelly's Heroes uh, Dirty Dozen kind of roles. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh like in in MASH uh, Sutherland was kind of in control of situations, but In uh, Great Train Robbery, he was second banana and a a little bit out of it. So uh, very, very enjoyable film. But that's 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 another movie. So we'll we'll leave that for some someone else. Ethan, maybe you could now that you've you know you're you're on uh,
1: semi now we have all the time in the world. Yeah, yeah, time to do another minute show. How many minute shows are you into now? By the way, Jim, you've done Airport Minute. You've done uh, not Dracula, Uh, uh, sorry, uh, the Rocketeer. uh, You've done we're doing this, and, uh, and we're doing yeah, uh, James and,
0: Bond. Uh, did you do no J- James Bond? We're kind of on hold because my uh, my co host is under contract with Eon Productions, so we we'd have a uh, conflict of interest there, so we can't really do anything there. So we're on we're on hiatus, as it were. Never so say never we'll be, again,
1: minute. There we go. Yeah, uh, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: so, um, and yes, Rocketeer minute, Apollo thirteen minute.
1: Oh, of course, yes, and uh,
0: and of course this one, and I'm also producing. Uh, oh, I've produced Die Hard minute. Uh, One of your favorite movies, the Into the Night minute. Oh God, yeah. Yeah. Oh yes,
1: we we did that together a year ago. I think this month or last month. That
0: that's right. Yes, and uh, and of course, right now as we're as we're recording this, I'm doing the uh, Hitchcock minute with uh, North by Northwest.
1: So uh, and you edited that really cool thing together, didn't you, with uh, Cary Grant? I think
0: didn't you? Yeah, you do a yeah. I remember. Yeah, Carrie and uh, Eva Marie St. James Mason. Get
1: Crichton. You're the prolific one. Get get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> Never out of you, Michael. Get out. No one cares. Yeah.
0: Well, and, yeah, unlike unlike uh, uh, me, uh, Michael Crichton managed to figure out how to monetize all this stuff. Hey, come on. <laughs> so, we, we, we've yeah, still got time. We, we do it do it for the lot. All we people do can them.
1: do now. One of the good things about this, apart from the, the communal spirit I've noticed, people go, hey, in the street now and say, are you okay? Or do you need help? Or there's a lot more of that, I think, uh, I see. Yeah, I
0: I agree. I agree. People yeah, were saying, like, funny.
1: 9-11, or that it was terrible. That in New York, for the many months, or two or three years afterwards, there was a nice community spirit and a togetherness, and everyone was kind of looking out for each other. And I think that's kind of happening here a little bit. So there is, like, one weird upside to it, is the this crisis has created... Uh, bit of humanity i think in people and stuff which is uh yeah at, is nice. at
0: arm at arm's length we seem closer so it's an interesting uh paradox and again with um,
1: nothing to do all they have now is cons- content to consume yes. So
0: so we're on the front lines. we're on the front lines baby <laughs> <laughs> wow well ethan thank you again so much for being on the show and uh, all the best with your family uh staying well um, it's, I'm uh, spraying
1: hey. them constantly. They're not going to catch anything, so don't worry. And uh, yeah. uh, Jim, again, always with you. Thank you. I love being on your show. If you I'm, get you're... stuck, I'll come back and do more minutes on this. I don't mind. We, uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll bring you back in. They keep pulling me back in. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's Pacino in Godfather Three of podcasts. There we go. Just when I'm yeah. out, they pull me back in.
0: Yes, Godfather Three. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Yes, anybody doing that? Well, the rise Alex of Robinson Skywalker and Godfather, Godfather movies. <laughs> yeah, Oof. wow! But uh, for folks who would like to to chime in, uh, you're please. You know, if if you are, if you do have movies that you enjoy, try making one of the things. Ethan did it. I did it. We all can do it. So try. If you have a movie that you enjoy and you like talking about it you can really prove your love by getting in and talking about every single minute of that movie. So try it, Movies by Minutes. You can find us, uh, there's a big site called MoviesByMinutes.com where we cover all the different movies. At the time we're recording this, I think there's 130, 140 uh, different Movies by Minutes shows. So there's, chances are there's a movie out there that you love that that's already been talked about. And if there isn't, start your own and we'll we'll listen to your show. Um, if you'd like to reach out to us on social media, always available, at Project Wildfire on Facebook. Uh, that's, our, that's our little chat group there where uh, we can talk about uh, these minutes and how they're going. Uh, you can reach out to us on Twitter, Twitter at uh, a Minute. And, of course, you can always get uh, previous episodes of this either at AndromedaMinute.com or on uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever your fine podcatcher catches your podcasts. Um,
1: Ethan, wh- wh- again, where can uh, people listen to your uh, fine works? Oh, well, you can. Well, if you type in Ethan McKinley on uh, YouTube, you can find Questionable, which is my kind of interview show peppered with uh, satirical breakdowns of movies. Uh, if you like my minute shows, uh, I'm the purveyor of the Two Minute Terminator. About 400 shows are now residing on YouTube in dry dock. You can listen to those. Uh, and if you want to find me on Instagram, it's EMC Comic, where you can see my acting work and my stand-up comedy. And if you have Amazon Prime, if you type in Dark Ditties, uh, you can uh, watch the series I'm in—the kind of uh, horror comedy show that uh, I'm in right now. So uh, I'm gonna do that tonight. Check that out. <laughs> uh, and again, Jim, thank you. I love ah, you I, for love you, you I would turn up for the opening of an envelope so uh,
0: you're uh, you, you, are, you are makes life awesome wow give cool. me a
1: zip code and a time and I'll be there baby <laughs>
0: <laughs> we will we'll definitely talk again okay so folks jo- join us here next week uh, we're the team is still getting together so uh, check us out next week here on the Andromeda Minute over and out
1: bye love you. <laughs>